listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. And now, here's Mark Miller and David Moulton. How the heck are you? Miller and Moulton, the Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. Mark Deeks covers the NBA, will join us in a little over 30 minutes. We have an NBA trade deadline Thursday, 3 o'clock. We had a pretty big one yesterday, Kyrie Irving getting dealt. We don't know if that's a rental or if whether or not he and Luka Doncic are going to play the next four or five years side by side. Of course, Mark, let's be honest. doesn't matter if he's got a long-term contract. I mean, you know, he just requests another trade. There you go. Be tough <laughs> to sign him to a long-term contract. <laughs> Apparently, the Mavs asked Luka before making the deal. They said, "Hey, this is what we're thinking of doing. We're giving up these two guys, and we're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna get you Kyrie. That means you're not gonna have the ball in your hands as much." And he apparently said, "Okay." So, you know, I mean, if he said no, I'm guessing they wouldn't have done it. Who's taking right? the last shot? Uh, Luca. Unless he's stupid enough to pass the ball, because <laughs> he ain't gonna get it back. Uh, but this is, you know, this is fascinating. You love trades, David. Yes. The West is jambalaya. Nobody knows yes. who's coming out of the West right now. You have been talking about whether it's the Lakers. You know, when we've had minimal NBA talks, mm-hmm. you've brought it up a handful of times that the West is there for the taking. Who is mm-hmm. going to go grab it? And it looked as if Kyrie was linked to one of the two LA teams. I mean, they were the leaders in the clubhouse on every single any article that you went to about this, it was the clips of the Lakers, every single one. And apparently, Dallas was involved as a partner in a three-way trade with either the Lakers or the Clippers. And then all of a sudden, I guess the Mavs said, well, wait a minute. How about if you just trade them to us? What would you want? And I said, well, this, this, and this. And we said, well, how about we give you this and this? Oh, all right, we'll get back to you. And they took the Mavs offer. They felt like they got better players for now. And the pick, granted, six years down the road, but unprotected. And by then, you know, I mean, you have any idea what any team's going to be like in 2029? So there you have it. I like it, Mark, for Dallas for this reason, what you just pointed out. I have no problem if a team in the Western Conference goes for it this year. This may be your window. Like, believe it or not, next year, the Lakers are going to have cap room. I mean, the Lakers could add a third piece to AD and LeBron. Uh, If that's the case, they're going to be a handful. And another year, Kawhi back recovering from his injury. Okay, and the Clippers may have the deepest roster in the league. Golden State. They've been decimated by injuries this year. Figured they'll be healthier next year. I mean, this is a year where if you're Denver, Dallas, Memphis, Sacramento even, go for it. This could be that one year that we look back on and you see, you know, wow, that was a crazy year. Yeah, that that was, a, as you said, Mark, a jambalaya year. 
Like Phoenix was in the mix for Kyrie because, you know, Chris Paul's not getting any younger. Now apparently they're in the mix for KD. Exactly. By the way, how about the failure of this Brooklyn Nets quote-unquote era? Can can we just – there you go. Now, you know, obviously, there are, including Brooklyn, New York, there are 17 Brooklyn Nets fans. But if by chance you're one of them, so three and a half years ago, KD and Kyrie choose Brooklyn. There are 82 games in an NBA regular season. Now, granted, KD got hurt, and you knew he was going to miss the first year. So the first year, they were going to play zero games together. So it's really in the last two and a half years. How many games have did KD and Kyrie play together? Remember, 82 games in a regular season. The Nets, I believe, since acquiring those two players, have played just under 220 games. Go. Is the answer more than half? <laughs> no. 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 I think it's like 80. 74. There you go. They didn't even play a full season together. You combine load management with injuries with, I don't feel like playing, get me out of here. They played 74 games together. I think the moment that they ruined any chances that they had of ever contending for a championship is actually when they traded for James Harden. Because you remember that they had Dinwiddie, they had Jared Allen, they had depth, and then they traded for Harden, who only played with Kyrie and Kevin Durant 16 times. By the way, in those 16 times, games, they went 13-3. and three. But that's... Remember, they had the big three together heading into the 2021 playoffs. Yeah. Ky- Kyrie got hurt against Milwaukee. Couldn't finish the series. Nets lost the series in overtime, game seven, by a point. Milwaukee goes on to win the title. What if? Well, but I mean, and Mark, we could have that in the NHL. I I mean, whoever, between Boston, Tampa Bay, and Toronto, whoever comes, I mean, the second round series in that division could could be the Stanley Cup final. I mean, and that's what it was in the NBA a couple years ago, as it turned out. I mean, that was the best series, closest series. And if you look back, you go, that was probably two best teams. And it was in the second round. And the same thing, Mark, could happen in the NHL, right? Boston against the winner of Toronto-Tampa? Right. That could be the cup. And like you always point out, the guys, you know, you're much healthier round two than round four. The whole deal, you know, could even be better hockey. So I don't know if this is going to work. I'm with you, David. I applaud the move because we've been talking about the West for a few weeks whenever we talk about this league and say, hey, it's wide open. You're a big Luka guy. He needed a Robin. He needed a Robin. Now, I don't know if this Robin works, but he's got one. Well, you're right, and it's what he wanted. It's what fans have complained about. Oh, his best teammate ever has been Jalen Brunson? Guess what? Now it's Kyrie Irving, one of the best point guards in this generation. Also, it's a scoring league. It's a perimeter league. Okay, if you go, well, they're not that great defensively. Uh, okay. You know, I, well, they don't really have much of an inside game. Uh, yeah, who does? Don't care about the inside game. Defense will matter a little bit more in the postseason, but the West lacks uh-huh. defense from top to bottom. 
And also, guys play harder in the playoffs. They'll they'll be better defensively in the postseason because the guys will play harder. And outside of Golden State, the West last lacks championship experience. Yep. Kyrie Irving has that. He does. Hit the game-winning shot in the finals. Mm-hmm. Doesn't lack for confidence. Not going to be scared of the moment. Let's be honest. And and I'm fine with it, by the way, if it's a rental. They give up a, I mean, you know, they gave up a, a starter, a starter and a good role player, and they give up a first round pick in six years. I mean, Kyrie Irving's an all-star. I mean, listen, I wouldn't put him in, but from a talent standpoint, he's a Hall of Fame talent. I mean, it's a 25-game rental in a postseason. He's highly motivated, by the way. He's playing for the last big contract of his career. I mean... He's a starter on all 30 teams in the NBA. Put it that way. Oh, goodness, yes. Yeah. And and so, you know, yeah, okay. I'm fine with it. You gave up... Yeah, I mean, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith and Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah, nice players to have. Players who can help you win. But, Mark, honestly, right now, you want to face Dallas in a best-of-seven in the West? I don't know if they can win four series, but they sure as hell could damn near beat anybody in one. And two, for that matter. I mean, those two guys alone? I mean, I'm seriously. For over a week and a half, a seven-game series, over a week and a half, if those two guys bring their A game six, seven times, who aren't they going to beat four? I still can't believe what Luca did to Phoenix last year. Right. I mean, <laughs> Luca with Jalen Brunson went to the Western Finals last year. Now, I, I think they might have their hands full with Memphis because Memphis can play defense. But outside of Memphis, Denver doesn't play defense. They needed a, they need a defender badly. I mean, between now and the trade deadline, Denver's got to go get another defender. Yeah. Sacramento? We really going to trust the Sacramento Kings in the postseason? No. Absolutely. Hell no. Oh, but do I love Sacramento? You oh, and fun. you and one other person. <laughs> right. <laughs> My future son Your future in-law. son-in-law. That's right. it. That's the only, <laughs> that's, that's the only that's Sacramento it. Kings fan that I know. We've got two, everybody. Light the beam. The beam team. Uh, but... So, yeah, and besides, come on. How If I start criticizing teams that go for it, then you got to put me out to pasture, man. You got to put me out because I'm all for – and then besides, they gave up one first round. They can replace these two guys next year if they need to. Hell, they might be able to replace one of them between now and 3 o'clock Thursday in the trade deadline. I think it'll be interesting, though, because, like, the – and I know nobody pays attention, but the Islanders made a huge trade late last week with Vancouver, got a star centerman. Well, within 48 hours, they signed him. And usually, when you acquire a really good player who's going to be a free agent in a couple months, the extension either happens within 72 hours or they hit free agency. And to me, if you're Mark Cuban – and or Kyrie, if Kyrie's like, no, I'll play this out. This wasn't really where I wanted to end up. So I'm good. I'll be curious. Between now and the trade deadline, Mark, will they strike a long-term deal? I don't think so. <laughs> I think LeBron will kill him. 
<laughs> I think I think Kyrie's been sucking up for two years at LeBron. Please like me again. Please have me be your friend. And LeBron's like, well, okay. Well, then you got to get to LA. I'll get there, man. Did you, I'll get there. Did you see what LeBron tweeted after the news? I did. Oh, he's depressed. It's just me. End quote. Or no, had, maybe it's just me. Yeah, I he mean. had the eyes when Kyrie asked for the trade, and then it didn't yeah. go so well. He didn't get him. <laughs> maybe it's just me. <laughs> Don't worry. Just chill out a few months there, big fella. And they're just getting started. After all, this is the NBA. They love they love a trade deadline more than David Moulton. Wow. Miller and Moulton. Mark Deeks to talk NBA coming up in 25 minutes. Joe Theismann as we begin Super Bowl 57 week at the top of the hour. You're listening to Miller and Moulton exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. 21 minutes past the hour. Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. Mark Deeks, talk NBA in a little more than 15 minutes. Joe Theismann at the top of the hour. As we talk a little football this week, try to talk to some people, you know, have been in a Super Bowl, that sort of deal. The good, the bad, the ugly. That goes along with it. Joe's experienced uh, all of that. So he'll join us in about 40 minutes' time. And David Dwork in a little more than an hour. Big regular season hockey game tonight. Bigger for the Panthers than the Lightning, but, you know, key game. We start the second half of the year. And by second half, we mean one-third of the season left. So it'll be an interesting week because it's Super Bowl week. We're fired up, obviously, but the Super Bowl being played out west, that means that all these shows that go out west right, and Radio Row and all those things. Well, here's the thing. Uh-huh. They're only two hours back this time of year, right? So it's 520 in the morning in Phoenix. And I thought that they decided they're going to be two hours year-round. Oh, okay. Okay. I don't know. Don't quote me. But that that. means that a show that starts at 6 a.m. is starting at 4 a.m. out there, which means, and Uh up until, you know, let's be honest here, if there was one time, and not blame, there's only one reason that we're not at the Super Bowl this week. And that's that David left Fox to go to ESPN as in spotter role. It says Troy took a job with Monday Night Football, or we had plans of being out there. Totally. Uh, this year, and then in two years in New Orleans. Can't believe he got up. I, what? What? Take more money? What is wrong with you? Did he not know we had planned on being on Radio Row? So it will be an interesting week for Miller and Moulton as far as how the guests come about. Right. Like, you know, Pat Kerwin. And we joked with him. We're like, uh, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll try to talk next week. He's like, yeah, that the time change. That'll be interesting. But it is two hours. I mean, if it was three, we'd have no shot. But two, there's a chance, Mark. I mean, come on, those of us particularly of a certain age. I mean, you know, we all know people who get up sometime between, you know, 5 and 6 a.m. They don't sleep past that. Well, you know, 6 a.m. in Phoenix is 8 a.m. our time. So maybe, maybe we can have a Pat Kerwin sighting this week. Maybe once. But you're right. I mean, all the radio that you're used to listening to, this will be three West Coast Super Bowls in a row when they're done. Last year, L.A., this year, Phoenix, next year, Vegas. Not that that matters. It's the Super Bowl and all that. But 
I do think, though, it will severely, and before that was the pandemic. I don't think Radio Row will ever recover, Mark. I don't either. I mean, you and I were lucky enough. You know, I went to a couple without you. We went to three of them together, two in Miami, one in Tampa. And it was rocking. I Rocking. I, in terms of noteworthy people. It was on my timeline around. yesterday. I sent you and our old producer a text yesterday because on my timeline popped up that it was 13 years ago that David Spade and Chris Rock were on our show. We were a local right. show in one market at the time. Correct. And you get a hold of the right PR person and they've got interview slots available. They're plugging a movie and we're like, we'll take 520. Okay. You got eight minutes. That's fine. And they've, where are you? Well, we're in spot such and such. Okay, we'll find you. And sure enough, they walk them over, they sit them down. And back then, more of the national shows were on Radio Row. Now, shows like the Dan Patrick Show, they're, what, at a ballpark this week, and ESPN will have their own destination where their shows are. So that already took away from Radio Row because the celebrities and the big names are just going to locations for the big national shows. So they've tried to squash Radio Row in their own way. Well, think of the Dan Patrick show. It's 9 to noon Eastern. Well, it's 7 to 10 a.m. I mean, how many people are they going to get? How many names are they going to get, even if they were sitting on Radio Row? Because, Mark, you know how it is. I mean, the PR people walk them in. You see them come into the room, and everybody goes, oh, wow, Chris Rock's here. Never mind, you know, when we were still doing Radio Rose, late in the week, Thursday or Friday, the halftime guest would perform, would do their press event either just outside the area where we were all broadcasting on Radio Row or sometimes they would do it on a different floor because usually it's in a convention center of some kind that's hosting Radio Row. And... And I think you're still kicking yourself because weren't we at one that Prince was at? I, to this day, it's one of my, maybe in professionally, one of my biggest regrets. Prince is doing his press conference. Well, Prince doesn't do press. No. He never talks to the press. And I didn't think much of it. We were, And we had interviews scheduled all day long. We, a lot of that week is on tape. You're, we're there very early in the morning. At that time, we were doing afternoons. And so we're just there to get whatever great guest we can get, put it on tape, we'll run it when we run it. And Prince is doing his presser. And all of a sudden you hear the band. Right. And Prince went up there and said, all right, I'll take all your questions. And then went into a four-song mini-concert and left. And instead I'm interviewing, (laughs) you know, whoever. Come on now. Come on. Mike Haynes, I think. You know, just a Hall of Famer, great cover corner. Come on now. <laughs> I think even Mike would have said to us, this if I were you guys, I'd, I'd be at the Prince thing, but uh, okay. I think we should have taken him up there and just <laughs> continued the interview. But that's, but yeah, I mean, you know, we were there, I think when Springsteen did his, his interview, he, now he didn't uh-huh. play, he did his interview. Yep. I shook Sir Paul McCartney's hand in Jacksonville. All right. He was walking through the concourse after doing his, and, uh, I shook his hand. 
So you're right. Radio Row will take a beat. It'll be interesting to see how Super Bowl week goes this week. I know one thing that goes right now. It's the Clutch Vodka Play of the Day. That's Clutch with a K. Felipe, what do you have? Look, Clutch is Clutch. We go down the street to the Alico Arena where North Alabama up 73-71. Final seconds of regulation taken on the clock. IT, Isaiah Thompson with a rock. And this play. Across the timeline. Thompson working on lane. Into the lane. Fade away at the buzzer. It's gone. Thompson sends us to overtime. Just like they drew it up, John, huh? He was looking to give that up. Didn't have an option. And what a money shot by IT. An absolutely gorgeous fadeaway from the Purdue transfer Thompson to give him 22 and to give us five minutes of free basketball. That sent it to overtime. John Vitas, Greg Anderson with the local call, FGCU television there, ESPN Plus. Clutch FGC- shot. Right. Not a clutch finish. No. Lost in overtime. They've lost like five in a row, seven of eight. Season is circling the drain at this point. They need uh, they need to suck it up on the road. They got a three-game roadie coming up, but. But that's our Clutch Vodka play of the day. Go to clutchspirits.com. Ask for Clutch Vodka anywhere that you buy your spirits and hashtag all your drinks with the hashtag Clutch Spirits. Mark Deeks, who covers the NBA, coming up in about 10 minutes' time. Joe Theismann in 30 minutes. Are you fired up for this Super Bowl, by the way? We've had a few people in our Twitch chat room who are like, I got to be honest, this, this one's not doing anything for me. I'm like, wow, two best teams in the league, so to speak. How can you not be fired up with two one-seeds playing? I Mahomes, you know, really? The Kelsey brothers? I'm fascinated by this. I really think... One dad should be honorary captain of one team and mom should be honorary captain of the other. They should bring him out to midfield. One of them should do the coin toss. I, there was a lot of momentum for mom flipping the coin. I will say that that would be super cool. I totally, totally. If you're the NFL, come on. I mean, when are you going to get this again? Seriously. But if, yeah, I mean, I know they determine who, because it's determined the visiting team gets to pick it. Because, I mean, right there, there'd be another controversy. Which son gets to call the coin toss? That would be the favorite son. (laughs) Well, come on. Dad's got his favorite. Mom's got hers. We all know that. Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. Twenty-two minutes before the hour, Miller and Moulton, the Florida Sports Network, FloridaSportsNetwork.com. Mark Deeks is kind enough to join us. He covers the NBA for Forbes. He's author of the Basketball Manifesto. You can follow Mark quite easily on Twitter. Mark Deeks, D-E-E-K-S NBA. Mark Deeks NBA. Mark, it's David and Mark. Thanks for your time. How are you? Good morning, uh, gentlemen. Yes, um, it's it's all good where I am in the middle of the afternoon. How are you? Uh, we are doing fine. Obviously, the reason we reached out, trade deadline is Thursday at 3, but uh, I don't know if it's a blockbuster, but it's a 
big one, Kyrie forcing a trade and getting dealt quickly to Dallas. Your thoughts on the deal? That will be the biggest move of the deadline. And I do think it counts as a blockbuster on account of the fact that irrespective of all the sideshow that accompanies Kyrie and it always has done and seemingly always will do, he remains one of the best players that's ever played this game. Let's think about for a minute, he only played, I think, 146 games in three and a half years with the Nets. It's a terrible return, but how good was he in them, especially this season? You can't call Kyrie the perfect guard. You can't call anybody that. But what mistakes does he make? The man is a brilliant ball handler. He's a brilliant shooter. He's a particularly brilliant finisher. He's not as bad as a defender, as people say. He's in the prime of his career, and that prime is exquisite. And we forget that sometimes. Now, the reason we forget that is because he ruins it with all the off-court stuff, right. with the attitude, with the inability to ever seemingly be content with his lot and settle down and commit to a team. We thought he'd done it in Brooklyn. He didn't. He was he was as antagonistic, if that's the right word, as ever. Nevertheless, it counts as a blockbuster, and therefore it counts as a big addition for Dallas. But there's always a but with Kyrie. They're, those other things cannot be dispensed with. They cannot be overlooked. They always will be there. It may only be a rental for Dallas, but if it is, then they have the same problem they always had, which is who is 1B to Luca, who, let alone who's our numbers two and three. So if it is a rental, then they couldn't have rented anyone better. But if it is a rental, then they're not really any nearer than they were. But if it is a rental, what is the – I mean, is this a championship-caliber team? Now, we've been talking about the West for a while, Mark, that it's pretty wide open. How much better – does this make the Mavs? How close does it make them near to the top of the West with just this move? Um, it gets them nearer, but certainly not uh, the favorites on account of the defensive end. Now, we cannot, I don't think it would be fair to um, excessively analyze the Mavericks until we know what team they have from Friday onwards, i.e., after the deadline. Because while they've made this move, I don't think it'll be their only move. And I say that with particular reference to Christian Wood in the front court, another rental, a productive but flawed player on an expensive expiring contract who has not had the most synergistic relationship with Luca or indeed any of the team. If you play him, Kyrie and Luca as a trio, your defense is in trouble. Kyrie's, like I said, isn't as bad as advertised and Luca can do it when he expends the energy. But to rely on all three of them for big minutes in your rotation. And it's three defensive weak points. You've also just traded Dorian Finney-Smith, one of your best, if not the best, defender. And others on the roster have defensive shortcomings as well. You cannot be... You can out, You can score with anyone. You can win individual games. But can you win a seven-game series when you're so vulnerable to the types of Nikola Jokic in particular? No. So, as of right now, I do not see Dallas as anything more than a very unlikely outside uh, contender for the West and the title. There is a tiny chance... I uh, haven't got no chance, but it's not a great chance. But let's see where they're at. Let's see what they do with with um, with Christian Wood, with potentially Tim Hardaway. Are they going to shore up the defense? Are they going to shore up their paint? I expect they do. If they do, let's have another conversation. Mark Deeks covers the NBA for Forbes, author of The Basketball Manifesto. Follow him on Twitter, Mark Deeks, D-E-E-K-S, NBA. Mark Deeks, NBA. If you're Brooklyn now, I mean, you can't hmm. seriously think you're now – going to be able to win multiple series in the east can you i mean boston milwaukee philadelphia now that you don't have kyrie i mean do you keep kd and just get 
bounced in the first round of the playoffs and then wait for him to demand another trade? Or do you move him by Thursday? I don't think you move KD by Thursday, but I think you may make another move by Thursday, as we said with Dallas. However, I don't think it is a requirement with Brooklyn like it may be for Dallas, because whilst obviously they've taken a backward step by losing Harden, and let's not forget, sorry, we're losing Kyrie Irving, let's not forget also they recently lost James Harden. They also do have KD and Nick Claxton, and a, who is a far greater player than I think he's often regarded. And uh, a bevy of qualities such as uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, Seth Curry. This is not the favourites in the East. However, I don't think they lose that much because there is an element of addition by subtraction when it comes from Kyrie. As talented as he is, as spoken about, where was the the good vibes, the chemistry? Brooklyn did peel off, I believe, as an 11-game winning streak and turn around their slow start to become one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. But at what point was it harmonious? It may now be. The Durant, if Durant wants to go by Thursday, Durant will be gone by Thursday. This, this will be the highest they can trade on him, and teams such as the Pelicans should and will be all over that. Of course they will. It's Kevin Durant. But if he doesn't, I don't think they'll force his hand. Why would they? He's still got it. He's still... I mean, he's having his most efficient season ever at the age of 84 or whatever it is. The man is incredible. <laughs> I don't, I do think they will make, <clears throat> excuse me, further additions, but nothing of substance. And I still think that they have an outside chance at the East. Uh, again, not favourites, but no one has shut the door in the East. So they ha- they retain a chance. Let's keep it a little close to where we are here in Florida. What would you do if you were the Miami Heat? Because to me, they're a team that is good but not good enough to win it. I think they need another piece. What would that piece be to you, Mark? Oh, Lord. Um, I don't know. The The issue with Miami, which I guess the Heat's brass may not themselves regard as being an issue, is whenever they are in that situation whereby they're good but not quite good enough, they always pick the same direction, which is to get better in the immediacy. They've never been a team to sell off and... Uh, Tank's the wrong word. They're far too good for that. But they've never been sellers. They've always been buyers. We look at Carl Lowry. We, um, there's countless examples over the interim period. I think they'll be active in the market, if nothing else, because you want to try and reconcile the Duncan Robinson situation because that's a lot of money for not a lot of production. And being the elderly team that they are, they don't have the margins on that one. I think they'll stay in it. I think it's a first-round exit as constructed, but never sleep on heat culture, never sleep on Bam Adebayo, and most importantly, never sleep on Jimmy Butler. So which player from Toronto is going to help somebody win a title that right now you don't think is going to win a title? Because let's face it, if the Raptors decide they're going to sell, they got three really good parts that they can sell. I mean, I would argue they'd all be difference makers to various degrees. I mean, are the Toronto Raptors going to determine the 2023 NBA champion? That's a bold claim, and it's not one without basis, is it? I don't think I do expect them to sell. Um, it would certainly in their best interest, I think, considering the the underwhelming nature of this season. And I think they must particularly sell on Fred Van Vliet, largely, if not solely, on account of his age. His age and his contract is not conducive to a team in their situation, whereas his quality is very conducive to a team in, well, Miami and Brooklyn-esque situation, although not necessarily those two teams. So I think Van Vliet will move. I think he should move. 
I'm not going to go as far as to suggest where where he would do so, but he would be a difference maker, not on the Kyrie Irving level, but not that far short. If they sell <clears throat> Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi, to whom I have an intrinsic bias because he was uh, born in London, um, then I would expect a high, high yield because you're looking at quality two-way forwards who still have youth on their side. However, precisely because of that, I don't think they're the pieces to sell because regardless of whether the Toronto get back towards the top of the East next year or not, they're still going to need those two as foundational pieces. So I can't imagine they will be traded. If they are, I expect a high yield, and I do expect Fred Van Vliet to be traded. All right. If you're the Heat, do you think you could sell Toronto on, listen, we'll give you Lowry back just a ceremonial final 25 games in a Raptors uniform, but then I'll give you what? a future first round pick and pick somebody else not named Tyler Hero or Bam Adebayo off our roster. If you're Toronto, is that enough to unload Van Fleet and his 20 plus million a year for the next two years? It would be, I think, if it was the only offer, but I can't imagine it would be the only offer. I think you might need to up the bidding on that one. Okay. When you look at the West, I still think Denver needs a piece. Uh, I, I mean, I think they're. I've I've called the West jambalaya. It's just it's mix, it's mismatch. We don't know what's coming out of it. So give me a player that goes to the West that changes how we think about one of these teams. Denver are seemingly on the cusp of moving Bruce Brown, not because he's not good, precisely because he is good, but they are very aware of the fact that they can't retain him. Um, Brown has played every position from point guard to center in his career, which is kind of amazing at his size. He's a unique piece that would be uh, very beneficial to Denver, but because they can't keep him, they may move him in a package with Bones Highland. Now, if they do so, it's purely because they have to, not because they want to, but they will need defense. They, they, They already have enough offensively in just the one player Nikola Jokic you could put me out there and they'd be all right offensively they will need some defensive pieces and the irony of having to move one of their best defensive pieces in Brown to get such a player is unfortunate however do expect them to be buyers uh for some uh some wing defense and front court defense and ideally a point guard uh of the caliber if not style of Monte Morris whom they had to give up in order to remedy their wing situation in the offseason so I agree with you that they are the best of a jumbled uh, mix and far from um, cemented their place at the top um, and as a result I would expect them to be buyers on a fairly small scale I don't think they're going to shake up the starting rotation but we may see a new seventh eighth man for them do either of the big three in the east need to make a trade in your opinion Boston Milwaukee or Philly or do they just need to be healthy when the playoffs start no one needs to, Boston especially. I think they may look to, but then again, those three teams will also be um, prime candidates for and very hopeful to achieve success in the buyout market, which there always is. So I don't think they need to. I don't think they will, at least nothing of any substance. You may see a little bit of uh, financial trimming, but um, no, I don't think they need to. I think all of them will acknowledge and think internally, we're good enough to win this. And they're all right. They all are. MVP, is it going to be Jokic again, or did what MB did to him head-to-head the other day mean something? Um, I think it means something if you want it to mean something. I personally don't. 
I think you're looking at the MVP in Jokic. You're talking about a centre averaging a triple-double who is literally unstoppable. I appreciate that Embiid made it his personal mission to go at him and score over him in the clutch and that he was successful in doing so. But to what end? To, to, the, to the one successful regular season, fourth quarter, five-minute stretch? Fine. If you want to base it on that, you base it on that. I don't want to do that. I think Nikola Jokic is the most valuable player in the NBA, full stop. Shooting 63% from the field this season, by the way. By the way, Mark, that is Felipe. That is our huge NBA fan. Huge. He is going to be emailing you on a regular basis. If it comes to the point where, you know, it needs to stop, let us know. <laughs> okay. I'm, I will do so, but by the sounds of it, he's on the Jokic train as well. So me yes. and Felipe, yes. we're all right. <laughs> Mark Deeks, he covers the NBA for Forbes. He's author of The Basketball Manifesto. Follow him on Twitter, Mark Deeks, D-E-E-K-S, Mark Deeks NBA, Mark Deeks NBA. Mark, thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it. Hopefully we can do it again. I hope we can too. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a good rest of your day. Mark Deeks, kind enough to join us here on Miller and Moulton. Nice drop in Felipe, by the way. Nice. He's he's a center averaging a triple-double. He's only shot under 50% in a game once this whole year. That is remarkable. Needless to say, friends of mine and my mother commenting, they love a British accent in the show. Asking, is there any way we could do it daily? As long as it's not you. (laughs) (laughs) And I think everybody everybody that texted you that would agree with that statement. (laughs) Well, in fairness... You know, I'm not a British accent. As J.P. Shadrick said, little too much Jersey there. All right. Still a little Jersey comes through from time to time. Mine is a fake British accent. That is an authentic one. All right. I don't know about you, Mark. I could go for an authentic British accent segment every day. I'm Uh, in. I'm in. It doesn't matter what the sport is. A little NBA, a little golf. I'm in. Whatever we got to do. A little football (laughs) from time to time as well but uh just for those that did not know mark joined us via zoom call so we had two plus minutes with him off air and for those of you wondering david got in one megan question i wasn't a question well one megan comment comment. was the comment we were talking about some of the ills of the united kingdom and at the very end i said well that's okay you can just blame it on megan and he said oh we will and some certainly do Miller and Moulton, thanks so much for listening. Appreciate a little NBA talk there from Mark Deeks on the Florida Sports Network.